In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. The Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity, in Trinity and unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. And yet they are not three gods, but one God. Uh, that is just a small excerpt from the Athanasian Creed, uh, which was not written by St. Athanasius himself, but his disciples. Uh, but it does articulate the faith delivered once for all to the saints, for which St. Athanasius so valiantly fought and, con and contended for and defended. And what is taught by the church and revealed in the Holy Scriptures is that there is one God who exists eternally as three distinct persons. Uh, the church did not invent the doctrine of the Holy Trinity in the fourth century, in the fourth century at the councils of Nicaea and Constantinople I. The church, again, the faith was delivered once for all to the saints. The apostles received the fullness of the faith at Pentecost. And so, yes, there is, an there is a development in the articulation of doctrine, but not in the doctrine itself. The church knew from the out outset, we can see this very clearly in the New Testament, they are baptizing in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. There are revelations in the ministry of Jesus. His own baptism, where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are present and manifested together. What the church had to do on account of heresy and opposition is that they had to articulate with, with specificity what they knew liturgically. The, the worshiping life of the church has always been Trinitarian. And we see this in the, in the Old Testament as well. Of course, in Isaiah chapter 6, which we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, but in the visit of the three uh, mysterious angels to Abraham. We, we see it there. We even see the Trinity. We see room, if you will, for, for later Trinitarian development and articulation in the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Father, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Son, make his face shine upon you. We see the face of God in Jesus Christ, the incarnate one. Lord, lift up the light of your countenance and give you peace. The Holy Spirit, what does Jesus say? Peace I leave with you, my own peace I give to you. This isn't a discourse about the giving of the Holy Spirit. So what is taught by the church and revealed in Holy Scripture, again, is that there's one God who eternally exist as three persons. And each person of the Trinity is fully God. Thus, the Trinity is not three, it's not thirds coming together to make a whole. It's not that the Father is 33.33333% God. It's not, it's not Captain Planet, any children of the 80s remember Captain Planet? No one here? You remember, yay, okay, good. It's not our powers combined 
then we're Almighty God. No, the, the Father is fully God. The Son is fully God. The Spirit is fully God. It's not three gods, but one. God also doesn't switch modes. It's a very early her heresy called, appropriately, modal modalism, or Sabellianism, named after the heretic who propagated it, Sibelius. It's not that God is sometimes, he's wearing different masks. That he, he's sometimes the Father, sometimes the Son, sometimes the Holy Spirit. So he's the Father in the Old Testament, then he was the Son in the Gospels, and now he's the Spirit in, in the age of the church. There are three persons of the Holy Trinity which are one in essence, and they are co-equal in glory and majesty, but they're not interchangeable. Thus, we don't say that the Father died on the cross or that the Son descended at Pentecost. It was the Word. It was the second person of the Holy Trinity who became flesh and dwelt among us, who died for our sins and was raised up again. It was the Holy Spirit who descended to the church at Pentecost. So we don't mix up, exchange the persons of the Holy Trinity, but neither do we divide them. There is distinction in the Godhead, but no separation. Therefore, all the works of God are the works of the triune Godhead. At creation, the Father speaks, the Son makes, the Spirit broods. Another example is the resurrection. All three persons of the Trinity were active in the resurrection. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Acts 2.24, Peter, in his Pentecost sermon, speaks of God, the Father, raising Jesus from the dead. In John 10.18, Jesus says that he has the power to lay down his life and take it up again. And then in Acts 8, we're told that the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. All the works of God are the, are the works of the triune God. And it's not some sort of tag team thing. Where the Father's like, it's not a division of labor either. Okay, I'll do this part, you do this part, you do this part. Or, or tag team. All right, you're in, you're in Jesus. It's this mystery. And so, yes, the Spirit dwells in us. But we can also, in a way, say that the Father and the Son dwells. It's one God, They're, it's indivisible is exactly what Jesus says in his discourse on the gospel, that yes, we're given the Spirit. Jesus says, Father, you're in me and I'm in you, and that we may dwell with and in them. Got it? You ready? Are you ready for the ordination exam? No, you don't got it, because no one does. No one can. In order to fully understand the being of God, because this is a great feast, because it's looking back over the Christian year and looking at the works of God, and, and we pause and we, we behold God as he is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But in order to understand the being of God, you would have to be God. The finite cannot comprehend the infinite. The mystery of the Holy Trinity is just that. 
It's a mystery. And a mystery in theology, it's not a whodunit. My wife and I are watching right now this series. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I don't endorse it on all levels. <laughs> She'd be embarrassed. But, but it's a whodunit. We're going to find out what happened. No, but a mystery in theology is a revealed truth which we cannot fully understand. It is grasped insofar as we grasp it, not empirically or rationally, but by faith. It's something that we are bound to believe that we cannot fully understand intellectually, even though we know him relationally. Never going to fully understand the Trinity, but here's the incredible thing that on account of the incarnation, because Jesus has united a complete human nature unto himself, we talked about this on the ascension that, that humanity, the way, the way into heaven is, is made on account of Jesus' glorious ascension into heaven. Those of us who are in Christ, we're, we're brought right into the middle of the Trinitarian relationship. Right into the middle of it. That we experience and we, we, we know intimately, intimately the one God in three persons. Even though, even in eternity, we'll never fully comprehend God. There'll always be more growing and learning and coming to know and experience and new things to exalt in. So it's beyond our understanding. But that isn't to say, I'm not saying that the, that the Christian faith, that, and that the doctrine of the Trinity in particular, is, is irrational. Rather, it's, it's supra-rational. It's something that's above and beyond human reason. In the 2002 film, uh, The Mothman Prophecies, which almost no one saw, starring Richard Gere, I saw it. I saw pretty much every movie that was made between 1999 and 2003 because across the street from the college to which I went was a dollar theater. And it was straight up a dollar. I think like my senior year, they raised it to a dollar fifty. And so we would, I mean, you're not investing that much. I mean, now you go to a luxury theater, it's like 20 bucks a ticket. You get, you get popcorn and a drink, you're in for a hundred bucks going with your family. But you know, a dollar, but I liked it. My brother made fun of me. He said it was one of the worst movies ever made. But in this movie, the moth, but I digress. <laughs> this movie, The Mothman Prophecies, it was loosely based on uh, some apparent paranormal activity in West, Virgin in West Virginia. This being was predicting the future and was scaring people, and all sorts of weird things were happening in this small cult, cult town in West Virginia. And I say loosely based, so probably. Nothing in the movie is even true. But anyways, the protagonist, played by Richard Gere, who's a, uh, his character is a reporter, he's trying to figure out, he's trying to get his head around what's going on. And this, the Mothman is trying to communicate to him and speak to him. And so he, he goes to this paranormal expert uh, for some answers to what's happening in his life. You know, who is this being that's contacting me and what does he want? And the expert asks him amidst this conversation... He says, do you have a dog? Why don't you 
go home and explain yourself to him. You have a dog. Why don't you go home and explain yourself to him? I thought of a brilliant point in an otherwise perhaps vacuous movie. Because the interval, now to bring it back to the sermon and, and Christian thing, we'll get away from the moth for now. The, the interval, the, the difference between a dog and a human being is so great that the former could never grasp the nature of the latter. Not that your animal can't know you and love you and there's some sort of communication. But the Duke of Delafield is never going to grasp what does Matt want out of life? Who is he? Think about that. Because the interval between, say, a dog and a human is nothing compared to the interval between a human being and God. There is an infinite, not just quantitative distinction, but an infinite qualitative distinction between us and God. He's holy, holy, holy. And what is the base meaning of holy? Different. Set apart. Other. This is not a cop-out. This is not we're going to hide behind things in the faith that don't make sense because we're embarrassed by them. It's quite the opposite. Because if God is real and Christianity is true, then some mystery, a lot of it actually, is precisely what we should expect. If a religion is bereft of mystery, then it is undoubtedly man-made. C.S. Lewis argued, this is him at his best, he argued that the strangeness and complexity at times of Christian doctrine, the Trinity in particular, are marks of its authenticity. He writes this, If Christianity was something we were making up, of course we could make it easier. But it is not. We cannot compete in, sim in simplicity with people who are inventing religions. How could we? We are dealing with facts. Of course, anyone can be simple if he has no facts to bother about. The Holy Trinity is not an equation to be solved, but it's a mystery. It's a revealed truth in which we should exalt, that we should rejoice, in which we should stand in awe. The feast of the Holy Trinity is about the one God whom we should adore. The Athanasian Creed rightly says that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. We are to join, and in the Holy Eucharist we do, the angels, in the case of Isaiah's vision, the seraphim, the burning ones, what the name seraphim means, the, hi the highest order of angels. We should join their song. We should represent their song in the worship of the church 
uh, mystically should join the unceasing cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. As an aside, you'll notice in Isaiah 6, they're, they're singing this song back and forth to one another. They're singing responsively. That's why we sing responsively. Where, where, where did the church get this? They got it from the very worship of heaven itself. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The thrice holy God, uh, the triple uh, repetition of something in the Hebrew language and in the culture of Israel is a superlative. And I read something funny this past week. Uh, Famous professor at at Oxford, uh, George Caird, that if you think that that's a coincidence, that the superlative in Hebrew is a three-time rep- repetition, and we happen to believe in the Holy Trinity, he says that I wish, if you think it's a mere coincidence, he says, I wish you a very, bull, a very dull and boring life. Now, this is about worship. This is about the God we know. This is about the God who we exalt in and adore. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Holy is the Father who so loved the world. Holy is the Son who is lifted up on the cross. Holy is the Spirit by whom we are born again. Holy is the Father who has made us children and heirs. Holy is the Son with whom we suffer and are glorified. Holy is the Spirit by which we put to death the works of the flesh and walk in the newness of life. Holy is the Father who blesses and keeps us. Holy is the Son who makes His face to shine upon us. And holy is the Spirit who gives us peace. Holy is His name and glory be to His name. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.